Hello, you're listening to the Brainy Speech Therapist podcast. We're your hosts, Helen McLean and Jan McIntosh-Brown. Here, we aim to look at all aspects of brain injury, from the research to the rehabilitation, and always through the lens of speech and language therapy. So hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Brainy Speech Therapist podcast. Um, This is your host Helen McLean and tonight I am joined um, by a speech and language therapist, Richard Cave. Um, Richard, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Well, thank you for asking me. I feel feel, feel, feel misplaced because this is the Brainy Speech podcast which uh, which is actually slightly worrying worrying me I'm, i um i am not sure if i qualify well I'm, i think this is the running thing around speech therapists we're all quite modest but um as i'm sure we'll hear from you richard you have um you're quite the powerhouse in terms of progressing um communication aids for people who who have neurological conditions um, and worked in lots of different areas, so yeah, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so maybe we can start off by you just telling me and telling our listeners a little bit uh, about kind of a potted career history, perhaps, because I think you've worked in a you've you've had a few different things under your belt, haven't you? Yes. Yes, I have, and uh, you know, kind of speech therapy is not my first career. Um, I, I, I initially had a career working in IT. I worked for Dell Computers and other companies on various IT roles, and then I got to a certain age, to a certain age, when I just, you know, I, I kind of always knew that I would be involved in some way in speech therapy. And I just had to decide if I was actually going to do it or just think about it for any longer. I'd had a lot of speech therapy when I was young, around 11 or 12, around that age, because um, I had a stammer. And back then, I genuinely thought I was the only one in the world that stammered. I was certainly the only one in my school. And uh, it was just time or not. And I ended up going to my dad to talk about my worries, uh, which I never did, ever, uh, but in this case, I, I just felt like I had to, and bless him, he sent me on to speech therapists, and that was the first time I'd ever heard about speech therapy, um, and it changed my life. I mean, I still stab it, but I just think differently about it, and that's what speech therapy gave me, and still gives me. Over the years, I've had speech therapy uh, in my teens, in my 20s. And then I ended up volunteering um, around speech therapists. And then when I got to 40, having this other career, I just thought, actually, there's something more important here. There's something that I feel like I have to do. And so I still remember going into my boss's office at Dell and saying, oh, I'm going to resign. And they said, where are you, where are you going? Going to, do you look like a, you're going to come back? Where, where are you going? I said, I'm going back to college. I'm going to do speech therapy. And there was this long silence. And I still remember it. I wonder if you remember it. 
do language. And he said to me, well, how can we help you? And that just shocked and amazed me that this man who, you know, Dell does not have any speech therapists, but he felt that actually it was such a, you know, he kind of shared, shared why this is important that actually Dell helped me through speech therapy uh, college. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. But, you know, after qualifying, I mean, it almost killed me. I didn't know. I really didn't appreciate how difficult it would be to qualify as a speech therapist and how much everybody has to go through. You find out really quickly if you want to be a speech therapist when you're doing the PG or the Masters or whatever. Because that that is just, I mean, I thought I knew how much work was, but that that was something else. And then I got through to the other side. I, I, I did want to work with people who stammer, and I still do. But, you know, the amazing thing about placements is that you get to experience and see a whole wide, a wider world that you've never seen before and actually work directly with people. And that, that was, you know, another moment where I felt like you know, my life was changing again. And I worked at um, uh, King's College Hospital here in South London on the stroke and acute ward. And that I found was just incredible. I mean, that was just like amazing. And I just came home thinking about it all the time. So I ended up working in specialist neuro rehab, various hospitals here in London. And then um, and then in the specialist kind of AAC hub, uh, AAC centre, uh, servicing people with very complex communication difficulties, usually neuro, but other stuff too. And um, and then I was offered a placement to help the Motor Neuron Disease Association, MND Association, with voice banking. And I'd done some voice banking with people, and I thought it was really very powerful to create a synthetic voice for somebody before they lose it, and also to, for them to be able to use it in uh, assistive technology communication devices, something that sounds like them. And um, so I went on placement with them to help them launch, and that just took up my life. And um, the placement ended up being permanent. And then I ended up, while I was there, I did a master's at UCL on voice banking to just find, just to try and get some evidence in, into it. And then um, as, as these things happen, you know, when you're working with technology and working with people, you kind of hear conversations. And I overheard one uh, where somebody from Google who was volunteering at the MND Association talked about this new thing, this new project where um, they're building technology that can recognize speech that has changed, speech with dys- dysarthria or dysphonia or any combination. And um, I just, I thought, what are you talking about? That was my first thought. What are you talking about right now here? And so I went to find, I talked to them. I said, where's this project? Who can we talk to? And she, you know, amazingly, you know, put me in touch with the right people and ended up talking with them. And they ended up coming over because they didn't really, 
they understood some of MMD, but not some other parts of MMD. And they came over from the States and we drove around and met some of my clients. And at the end of the day, to cut a long story short, you know, I ended up working with them to help make this project called Relate or Euphonia, as it was called back then, which is speech recognition for people whose speech has changed, to make it more functional and to include people in their project, people who are going to end up using Relate in their project and be able to talk to them directly. So it's it feels like it's a long road, but it feels like also it's you know um, working with technology and working with people. There's there's something really important here, and I feel you know, genuinely like many other speech therapists, I feel like I'm on a mission. Genuinely, I feel like this is the mission to bring these worlds together so that everybody benefits because technology is everywhere and yet by the same token so many of our patients and clients are excluded because of the way the technology is, is designed and just one example you know, uh, Alexa Alexa's in my house Alexa's all over the place and actually Alexa uh, at the last count, you know, there were more than 100,000 different uses for Alexa. 100,000 different uses. And it'd be the same if you were assistant singing and all these other amazing technologies that are on our phone. And yet, if our voices are not standard as defined by the technology company, we are locked out. And that's it. It's just like this amazing free technology which is limited often only by our imagination, by what we can do with it. Because of how we sound, we are locked out. And that cannot be. And so we, I think it's completely in order that a speech therapist like ourselves, allied health professionals like ourselves, to get involved. Do you know what's happening here? Just to educate people. I'm working with the people at Google. They are fantastically driven. They are passionate people. They want to do the right thing. It's just that they need our help because we know about communication. We know about people who whose communication is different to what is expected, how people communicate in lots of different ways. And we can help each other out. And that's pretty much uh, what what I'm doing now, all the time. And you know, and now I've just now I'm part way through with this PhD. But it's all it's all about the same stuff. It's all about communication using technology. So although it feels like there's a lot of work, and indeed there is a lot of work. There's always a lot of work. But if one is the right work, and actually pretty much it's the same work all I'm doing with a PhD is trying to justify what's going on or not and explain what's going right and what's going wrong. Sorry, that was a very long answer. No, no, not at all. It's 
it's really fascinating to hear your journey. I didn't realise that you had come to speech therapy um, not straight out of, out of school and just what you had said around the degree being the hardest thing you'd done, I would definitely agree with that. I also, um, when, I, when I say to people, oh, speech therapy was my third degree, they, they say they're really impressed by that, but I say, no, that's a sign that it took me a long time to figure out what to do <laughs> with my life. Um, but it was the hardest of the three degrees that I did. And uh, um, if you're listening to this as a speech and language therapy student, and you're doing it as an undergraduate and you've never done any other degree, um, if you're finding it hard going, then um, we are all there with you and you're certainly not on your own with finding that a, a tough experience. Um, and just, you know, know that and, you know, don't don't keep any worries to yourself as a slight um, sideline and in, in mental well-being to this, this podcast episode. Um, but yeah. I, I think you're right. Can, can I jump in there? Cool. I, you're completely right. That actually, you know, if people are, you know, this is this is hard stuff and it's challenging and everybody, very few people will find it easy. Everybody will find it hard. And you've just got, you know, I found I had to look after myself. And by looking after myself, I talked a lot and worked with, you know, kind of just, 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 just shared it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's really important. You know, people do... Everybody seems to, as far as I know, everybody is speech therapy confusing. There's always some reason. And just holding on to that reason, you know, it's, it's, it's just really important. And I, I completely agree. I am not ashamed to say that there were plenty of tears during my, those years. But it was because, you know, like all of us, I cared so much about it. It really mattered. But by the same token, you know, everybody has to look after themselves and talk and share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can't overemphasize that. So I th- thank mm-hmm. you for, for bringing that up. Yeah, no, I think it's something that I would really like to focus on in an episode in and of itself, because I think there's some work showing that kind of rates of burnout amongst speech and language therapists is particularly high. And I think whether that's um, because we're quite a, an empathetic lot of people as our personality traits and I think like you said Richard you know we've we've probably all come into the profession because of a reason and it's very much a vocation for us but that I think can put us at a higher risk of giving it our all and then some Um, and it's really important that everyone listening has their own ways of looking after themselves um, whatever whatever that may be so if you are listening to this and you would like to come on and speak a bit more about looking after yourself, about mental well-being, about burnout, then yeah, um, do do get in touch. But um, to kind of return to to your kind of your your passion um around helping people who, as you say, have got non non-standard speech, um, it's yeah I think there's lots that has been done over the years to make physical disability a little bit more um it's on people's radar a little bit more there's more accommodations for that we're used to maybe seeing people using ramps um to to having different kind of aids that that help them you know access the physical world but as you say if your speech 
isn't something that's very typical, whether that's dysarthria or dysphonia or, or something else, then yeah, all these all these greats in assistive technologies are just not viable for, for people as it stands until hopefully this, you know, your project relates is hoping is hopefully starting to break down some of those barriers. It's such a great piece of work that you've been doing with Google and a bit of me thinks it's it's a shame it's almost taken this long for that to happen. Um, but yeah, it's if you I know that the the app in itself is kind of fairly newly released. Um, but what kind of feedback have you been getting? It's yes, you're right. It's it's actually very newly released. Um, kind of properly in the UK, January of. 23, so just so just a few months. We've been around in the US and other places longer than that. But it's, um, yeah, it's, what it is, is it's, it's trying to recognise speech that's changed, speech with dysarthria, and to transcribe it, capture it in real time on a phone or on a tablet. And that is a tremendous technical task. And, um, but the rewards, the potential rewards are massive because, you know, for all the time I've been a speech therapist, when people are difficult to understand, then, you know, kind of when I was at the AAC hub, whatever, we would give them devices, maybe an iPad, or depending on their access needs, with three, it would, or even pen and paper, old school stuff. And, you know, it would be, it would be something to help them communicate, but it would always be slower with speech. And, you know, we know that given the choice, certainly in the M&D world, I'm sure many other world, many other communities at all, that people just prefer to talk even even when they're difficult to understand they prefer to talk and that's just that's just natural and we know that you know often bad things happen when people use devices other than talk because everything slows down and when communication slows down on one side then all sorts of you know there's risks there people ignored or not saying anything or change the subject without permission and all these things about slowed speech and and then comes this idea relate where it's going to the goal is to support people to be understood with their talking as long as it's possible uh, within MND or you know as long as people would like to do it with other conditions where their speech is not particularly changing and so the feedback I've had is, um, well, there's lots of feedback. The first thing is kind of, you know, is setting expectations that this is new technology and it's not going to work for everyone. And that uh, one of the, uh, where I've found the most success so far, I mean, bear in mind, I'm only talking about three months of practical use here in the but where I found the most success is 
um, clients send with head and neck cancer, uh, where they've been had surgery, that kind of stuff, and um, where glossectomy, maybe even laryngectomy. Those kind of clients where the kind of motor is most reliable, but the voice has changed or even lost, and but it but there's reliable articulation, and uh, that seems to work pretty well or relate. So you can you can train this model using recordings, and and it seems to work pretty well with them where speech is changing it's declining as in the case of cognitive motor neuron disease and other progressive neuros Parkinson's MSA ASP and others um, it's more the challenge and there seems from what I've you know I've been working with people with older variants and other cognitive conditions where things are changing quite quickly and we're doing a lot of recording every month to try and keep the model up to date, to work it's updated so that it can recognize, still recognize in a functional way, caption in a functional way, someone's speech. And when we talk about function, it's like, you know, is it useful for the speaker? Is relate useful for the listener? Or is another way more useful? And um, so, when we talk about real-time captions, then everything else comes for free. So if I'm talking to you and relate is captioning my speech on the phone, you can see the phone. You can see the phone. You can see me. You can read my lips. You can hear the stresses. You've got all the pauses. I can I, I can gesture. I can you know, do all the things, the rich tapestry, the, the richness of language and expression that I can do just like normal. And that's all in parallel, all at the same time, in synergy with Relate. So this, this means that Relate, to be functional, does not necessarily need to be accurate all the time because it can't be, it won't be accurate all the time. But it has to be functional, it has to complement or be useful in the midst of all these other signals that are happening at the same time. And the question is, you know, how accurate does Relate have to be in amongst all these signals? And um, I would, from what I've seen so far, doesn't have to be as accurate as I thought, but it does have to have a degree of accuracy. And the question is, how accurate is that? From what I can see, well, that depends on the listener. And so the listener and the speaker will make the decision, consciously or unconsciously, whether uh, relate is, uh, is functionally beneficial for them at that time in that context. And, you know, Relate as an app is actually another form of AOC. And, you know, just like all other forms of AOC, it doesn't have to be used by itself. It should be used just like all other forms, 
whenever it's appropriate in combination with LMMC or not at all, depending on depending on what people feel is useful at the time. In fact, just last uh, just last week, I was I was interviewing something. Some I was interviewing a lady, talking to a friend, um, for the PhD, and she she was trying to explain having confidence, having confidence coffee shop, and um, her communication partner couldn't understand didn't understand what the name of the coffee shop was, and they went round and round and round, and in the end, I mean, round and round, I mean, like. Ten seconds. This, this, this is absolute. The late was no help because it was a specialist name of the coffee shop, and it wouldn't have understood that without training. Speech wasn't helping, and so in the end, the speaker just like reached over to her whiteboard and just wrote the name down, and that was that. And that was a beautiful example of just how you know, relate may be good for some things, speech may be good for others, whiteboards may be good for others. Whatever is good at that time, let's use that. And that's where I see relate at the moment. And that's, you know, that's why I'm particularly, I'm particularly pleased and I particularly want speech language therapists and other allied health professionals to have a look at relate because it's not an app. It's, it's far more than that. And it's something that you know we as professionals need to look at, and need to be able to explain and understand for ourselves, because it's about communication, and it's not just the person downloading the app; it's the listener. So there's you know it's just just like everything, it's you know it's, it's complicated, and it requires. I think it would really benefit from our kind of experiences it's it's like a, so much with communication isn't it it's always got to be a two-way process and we never get it 100 percent right 100 percent of the time and it's about how do we manage those little breakdowns that can happen and project relate is maybe one way of building that up um but as you say you know we are building on non-verbal cues, on tone of voice, on pen and paper. We're using so many different ways to to ensure that we can kind of keep on communicating. And I think for me, having started to try and use Project Relate with a couple of people, I know we've, we've kind of been um, speaking a little bit about some a couple of cases I have. The these are for people where other aspects of AAC that have been explored have, have not been accessible for various different reasons and, and that's within the brain injury population um, but it's just it, I think what for me is exciting is it's that online transcription that it can do um, it's not like having to type out something on an iPad and then turn it around and show it to the other person or select various different symbols um, which is obviously right for some people um, but it just feels like this is something that's very new in the world of AAC that quick transcription so that it means that someone can go to a coffee shop on their own and potentially order their lunch or order their cappuccino or whatever it was without someone else saying 
you know, oh, I can't understand you, or having to have someone else there who can communicate for them, or having the dreaded, I know so many patients say to me, people will think I'm drunk, um, you know, and that they act as huge barriers to people living lives much more independently and I think that's what's so exciting about these changes that are happening that we're seeing Project Relate and I'm sure there's other things that must be out there that I don't know about but it just feels like the world of AAC is, is moving on a little bit but yeah I think that's the thing it's it's allowing people particularly you mentioned head and neck cancer you know people who that will be the major change for them they're probably still physically capable of doing everything that they were doing before and driving and going out to places but potentially their difficulty communicating is the thing that holds them back and so if this is something that allows them to regain a little bit of freedom that's um that's why we're all speech and language therapists isn't it because we want people to be able to be out there and communicate in the way that they want to I think that's beautifully said. Yes, that's right. That's that's why. Yeah. That's why we're here. And I think the other thing that you were talking about, so we haven't really talked about the kind of aspects of project relating. I think you know we can definitely do that in a moment, hopefully. But um, my understanding as well of around this is that it can allow people to access social media um, potentially in a different way and access like you mentioned Alexa and Google Assistant um, so say if you are someone who lives on their own and maybe you know for, particularly for younger people although no I'm going to edit that um, maybe um, but if I haven't listeners I'm not meaning to be ageist I just mean you know social media is a big part of people's lives um, and potentially be able to tweet or put something on Snapchat or whatever the young people do. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, there's the potential to kind of link up with all of these these things so that, um, you know, if you're having difficulty, um, you know, accessing things like that, there's the potential, hopefully, if not now, but in the future for something like Project Relate to be allowing you to connect with other people through those yeah. avenues. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I can... There are a couple of things there that you know. I just, I just feel that this technology, you know, people, if people are building technology for our communities, our communities, which is happening, and other companies do as well, it really needs to involve our communities. They really need to have a say in this. Um, otherwise, you know, the, the the big risk is that you know people build the wrong stuff, and nobody really. It's just really expensive, waste of money, and we we can't have that because it's too powerful. This this technology is getting really good, and if it's done well, then we are talking about quality of life, and we are talking about kind of participation. All those words that we learn in those lectures, this is it. It could very well be it, and um, I just. Um, you know, there, there are kind of, we talked about different types of AOC, the, the, the more regular type is like, you know, perhaps on an iPad, using Flitchable, or Grid3, or some other text-to-speech type app, or however people access. People can type, you know, with, with whatever access they have, 
the exact message that they would like to deliver because it's in their control. The problem is that it's usually very slow, much slower than uh, everyday speech. Relate, on the other hand, does not require them to type anything, just to talk. But the, so on that side, it's it's running as fast as speech is, pretty much, almost as fast as every everyday speech. But the downside is that there's much less control for the person using it. They're not typing anything. It's been created for them on their behalf. And it's not going to be as accurate. It's really not. You know, if we if we get like seventy eight percent accuracy, then that is a pretty good that is a good res 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 result. And we talked earlier about well, you know, how functional does it have to be? How accurate does it have to be to be functional? And that's a kind of big this ongoing this discussion. But what what I'm saying here is that there are some conversations in which kind of fast, like at this speed, AOC will capture them, but not accurate, will be absolutely fine. It could be like having a chat just like this, or you know, having a chat with, with anybody. Whereas other conversations, like perhaps if I'm going to see my doctor or my consultant, well actually, I want that person to understand exactly what I mean. Exactly. That's a really important conversation. Then perhaps another form of AOC, such as like you know, using a dictionary or whatever, is more appropriate there. And so it's like, you know, helping people understand what's available to them and letting them make their own choices based on how they live their lives. And, you know, um, I, 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 I could tell you, Helen, just, just a few steps on how Relate gets built, if that's, if that's useful. Yeah, that would be great to hear, yeah. So the first thing is that, you know, Relate is open to anybody. It's completely free. It will stay free, as far as I'm aware. It's going to be free forever. And it's on the Android Play Store right now. So if you have an Android phone or tablet, you can download it right now. It doesn't work on Apple yet, and I don't know if or when it will be, but that's the number one question I always get asked. Um, the, you know, if, if you're a professional, you, you, can, you, you can try it out yourself, and I recommend that you do. Um, just just tick tick all the boxes and just just download it. We don't have a special fast track way for um, allied health professionals or interested others. Um, the first thing that everybody has to do is to record a minimum of 500 phrases on the app. So this is a bit of a slog. There are actually 9,000, I think about 9,000 phrases now on the app. And um, so you so you don't have to choose a phrase in order. You can swipe left, swipe right, find a phrase that you want to record. Just as long as it's 500 phrases. They could be short phrases, long phrases, easy grammar phrases, complex, whatever. You choose the ones that are right for you or, and or for your client, just as long as you're up to 500. In addition to that, you can train relate to recognize the words that you speak in your lives. That's proper nouns, people, places, and things. And it's called a custom card. And you just write in to the app 
what you want Renault to learn better, and then you record that card as it is, and it will be added to your model. So once you've hit 500 phrases or custom cards, could be any combination, then the following day or within a couple of days, um, the relate recognition model is downloaded to your phone and that's for you. It's a personalized speech recognition model that's on your phone. And uh, for, for most of, for many of the functionalities, you can use it offline. For some, it has to be online. So um, once you've got that model, there's something called listen, which is live transcription. You click on the listen and you start talking and it will try its best to transcribe what you say in real time. And you can save all those words, you can send them anywhere, copy them anywhere, uh, or, or, or even edit them. So that's kind of speech to text. There's something called repeat, which is you say something and then relate says the same thing in a synthetic voice. So speech in, speech out. And the synthetic voice is, it's a clear synthetic voice. So the idea is that for transactional communication, perhaps if you're in a shop, or wherever you find yourself and you just want to speak then you can say it and it will repeat what it what it says now this has another benefit because um, if you if you can get relate to speak what you want then you can use relate to interact with your digital systems like Alexa or Siri or whatever you have at home You've got Google home that as well and anything so you can tell Alexa to you know switch 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 on the lights see who's at the door adjust the thermostat whatever you'd like like Alexa or Google Assistant or Siri to do then you can communicate in that way and I I'm working with clients at the moment where their voice has changed because of MMV their home environmental controls have stopped recognizing them but using relate they can start talking to it again. So that has you know, significant functional benefits uh, for people who are physically changing but then would prefer to be able to control their environment better with, with their voice. So this, that there's, there's a lot to talk about here. The third area is just a direct link to um, Google Assistant. So I mentioned earlier that you know, Alexa has got more than 100,000 different uses. I would imagine the Google Assistant has got the same. So this is the direct access to Google Assistant using Relate. So for some people, with Sartre speech, to be able to have that back, take it back, and now what do you want to do with all that stuff? I mean, Google Assistant, you know, and Alexa. These digital systems are literally everywhere. And, you know, I, I, downstairs in my house, I have a fridge, freezer. You know, if I wanted to, I could use voice to control the thermostat. And, you know, my car, I I can have you talk to my car. And, you know, it's 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 no it's no exaggeration that the forecast is, you know, in, in a couple of years from now that there'll be more things that you can interact with using voice than there are people on the planet. And that's where this is going. And, you know, the terrifying thing is, is that many, many 
of our clients, maybe even most of our clients with chain speech, are not being able to access any of that because their voice is non-standard according to the tech companies. And you know, when we talk about a digital divide, we're looking at one right here, and it's our clients, and we have to change this. So relate is just one way in which we can look at looking at this. So I'm just you know totally totally giving up on this project for, for many reasons. The last area of relate, which I think is super powerful, but kind of hidden, and, and I don't know why, is that relate is not only an app; it's a keyboard, so that you can, if you're in WhatsApp, or if you're in Twitter, or if you're in email, or if you're writing a document, wherever you have a keyboard, you can switch your keyboard from typing to voice, relate to voice, and start talking. And that means that, you know, whatever app you have on your phone, you're using your keyboard, you can use relate. And that is just like, well, hang on a second. There's something new. And that's the bit that I think is so, I mean, it's all incredible. But when, when I think of perhaps young, you know, people who are still working age that have maybe had something happen to them that means that their voice has changed and maybe they have difficulty typing for whatever reason, there is something that is, I mean, it's incredible that this is free given any speech therapist will know how much many AAC apps and devices cost. So the fact that this is free to download is, is, is amazing. Um, but just thinking of exactly what you said about that digital divide, this is something that really narrows that gap. And I know it's still a, it's still a work in progress, as these things always are. Um, but the rate that technology is moving at, and the fact that that there's now this spotlight being shone on this kind of group of of people that that really do need um, access and potentially people that that maybe would have been shut out from social media, from working, from interacting with friends and family and, and their communities. Um, it's, it, it, there's, there's part of me that's slightly terrified about what you said around <laughs> the power <laughs> that technology has. But at the same time, it's amazing to think like we are on the kind of precipice of of people being able to do so much more that they couldn't have done even a couple of years ago. Um, and it's an exciting time for all of us as a profession to be upping our game as well and knowing what what's out there and and getting ourselves more confident because I think there's lots of, probably lots of AHPs who maybe don't feel confident when it comes to technology and how it's all changing. But I think what I liked about Project Relate particularly though is it is, something that even someone like me who's kind of okay at technology but not amazing i i've managed to to use it and <laughs> can figure it out so any, anyone can <laughs> um but yeah i think i, I you, you raised so many important points there that you know speech language therapists we are actually whether we like it or not we're on the forefront now of technology because it's affecting our clients 
and so many of our clients are either being excluded or missing opportunities or should be included. It's technologies everywhere and you know I just feel like our role as speech therapists are to be a beacon of light for our clients in technology and everywhere else and you know this 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 is just whether we this is our battle it's it it's our mission to just try and make the best of technology for all the people that we work with and for and to include them you know, I, I just think you know there's one little thing you know when i was working on the aac specialist hub specialist center in london was that you know we would give all sorts of equipment out very expensive equipment for people and you know it just some some folks just didn't feel comfortable with that kind of with those kind of devices because it made a statement it made a statement about them yet you know i have a phone everybody else has a phone there's no statement to be made here other than i have a phone there's there's no there's no nothing and it's just a phone and so you know i would love it that you know that stuff like everyday items everyday technology like tablets and phones can be so inclusive that you know many of our clients can just use them just like everyone else and then you know it just feels like there's no state to be made they're just using their stuff and that's it you know i i, I also sorry I, I completely forgot to mention that uh, the relate project has a website and it's g.co forward slash project relate and, uh, and there's some kind of details there on there and i'll put links to these things in um and if you're okay with it richard i thought i would take some screenshots of the app to share on our oh, twitter yeah. and instagram accounts as well so people can can see that and something else i wondered about the app relative to other aspects of AAC that I wonder if this was part of the consideration in developing the app or you've had feedback on it but if it's important to people or not but lots of other AAC devices that are text-to-speech use preset voices whereas Relate is using the person's own voice as as much as possible um, and I just wonder there if 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 there's been any conversations or discussions around kind of the importance of people being able to hear, you know, yeah, that that is my voice. And I suppose that kind of leads on from the voice banking that's originated in MND versus someone having to get used to hearing a, a, a very digital sounding voice or having you know, having to use an American accent. You know, and that sort of thing. I just wonder if there's been anything around, you know, people giving you feedback of it's actually it's great to use this because I can tell that that is me. Yeah. It's, uh, yes, I've had lots of feedback on Relate. Um, what, what people are, what, the feedback I've heard is that, you know, when there's that repeat function, where you speak into it and it speaks out in a synthetic voice um, and actually in Relate because it's so new I mean I am making excuses now but there is only one synthetic voice available on Relate 
uh, to repeat words, and that's uh, and that's an American female voice, um, and that's all there is at the moment. So I've had a lot of feedback saying that mm -hmm. that's not really acceptable. That uh, actually we want the voice that is more typical of who we are and where we live. And I couldn't, I could not agree more on that. And you know, I'm kind of the goal. Uh, a goal, one of the many, is that you know, if somebody uses relate, that it should be able to, if it speaks in a synthetic voice, it should be able to speak in a voice that is synthetically similar to the person using it. So you know, like like their voice bank or something like that, and you know that that is the hope that will happen because it's just like you say, you know, voices so close to identity how we sound or how people perceive us you know, voice is really right in there it's one of the you know, one very important things voice and identity are so strongly linked and so we need to take care and you know uh, in voice banking that's a really good example where you know lots of people choose to voice bank because they want to preserve an element of that voice, even though a synthetic voice will never be the same sound as a natural voice. Whereas plenty of other people say, actually, I do not want a voice bank because that synthetic voice bank will never sound like me, never sound really like me, and actually, because of that, I don't want it. And both of those answers are right. It all depends on what people, how people feel. And the voice is so personal that people always have an opinion on it. And uh, and that's why, you know, voice banking is such an exciting area, um, but frustrating at the same time. Because when, when people bank their voice to create a synthetic version of their voice, what do they really want? I would, I would argue that they really want their voice, their voice, the actual voice, and not only the sound of their voice, but also the way they talk. So, uh, you know, the context, the emotion, all those other elements that are in our voice and also the way we communicate. So, and voice tech, voice banking technology is nowhere near that. But that's really what people, I would, I would argue, people want. And what they're getting may be just enough, may be enough for them, and that's fine. But, you know, it's, it's a technology that is, has got a long way to go yet. And because of that, it's very, very frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, and so it feels like the same with Relate. It's so new. I mean, it's new here. And yet there's so much that needs to be done to improve. But by the same time, I think for a lot of people, it really is helping, genuinely genuinely is helping and I you know I, I don't I can say anything I like here I'm not selling anything I'm actually on the side of clients just like you are and you know I don't want them to feel disappointed but for some of my clients it's genuinely working and it could be genuinely working for say controlling their, their environment or it could be genuinely working for when they need to talk to certain people. Mm -hmm. Where it's more challenging 
where we don't know all the answers is for you know situations where voice is changing and we're still working on that although i'm working with a lot of people with mnd and parkinson's and there, there seems to be like a window a window of fun functionality where there's a point where speech is being difficult to understand so relate does have some functional benefit to that to the point where relate is making so many errors because voice is changing mm there's no functional benefit and there seems to be a window there and you know the benefit of relate for people with progressive memory could be that that window provides them with an opportunity to keep talking and be understood before potentially choosing other forms of ANC. I know that you're saying you know there's still lots to work on with um with voice banking and with with relates but if we think we're in 2023 now and I wonder if you know in another couple of years even having if we return to this conversation you can, I, I imagine that the landscape even then in a couple of years will be very very different um, and, and I'm sure a big part of that is down to the work that's been done behind the scenes by the folks at, at Google and other technology companies, folk like yourself, um, but also the um, the fact that we have people out there using these and presumably giving you feedback from the sounds of it and telling you this is what needs to be better and this is what's working, this isn't um, this isn't working so well. So um it's that's the other thing that's exciting is that we are getting information from the people that really need it um or you're getting information from the people that that are really needing these technologies um and they're the ones that are maybe not necessarily going to benefit from the the technology improving in the short term but like you know like we're saying in another two three five years or something like that it'll be it'll be very very different um I'm aware of time, Richard. We've I've kept you chatting for <laughs> longer than I think I'd planned to. Um, is there anything else that you would you would like to kind of flag up before we maybe come to a close? Yeah, I just, I mean, first of all, thank you. It's just great to chat. Um, and the second thing is that this journey, this journey for relate is only just beginning, and I would love. If there's anybody listening that would like to talk more, or have a you know, I meet with a team, a presentation, talk about relate, see relate, see some videos, then absolutely yes. Then just let me know, and I'll you know, and and we can just go and do that. This relate, this is a really exciting technology, but it will not succeed without many many clients, patients' involvement, and many, many allied health professionals like yours, yourselves. And, you know, everybody needs to have their say. And, okay, I'm, I'm working in the team, but actually what I'd really like is for everybody to hear your voices. I genuinely mean that. This technology is too important not to say stuff, not to give because, you know, right now we're four months, three months in and the developers are still working on it, making the changes. Now is the time to 
try it out, find out more, get in touch, and just contribute. And you know, really, really want to hear, you know, from everybody, literally everybody. I, my expertise, my skill set is really around MND and other progressive neuros. But working with uh, the head netcom community, cerebral palsy, also all these different groups. They all need to have a say, you know, and, and now is the time. So, so take me up. <laughs> so take, so, so take me up on this offer. Great. And, and, and let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I will say, you know, you've been so helpful to towards myself and the couple of people I've been in contact about, and we'll put your contact details in the the show notes and everything. I um, and yeah, thank you, just thank you, Richard, for giving up your time and can hear how passionate you are about this and um, more power to you for not for for being a clinician for doing this work for doing a phd i always take my hats off to people who are doing phds so but thank you so much um and yeah thank you for for listening um to those of our listeners out there and any comments or questions um then do um, message us on social media on Twitter and Instagram um, we'll put our links in the, the episode notes thanks very much Richard thank you the opinions and views expressed in this podcast are of the individual and should not be considered professional advice If you have a brain injury, suspect you have a brain injury, or think someone you know has a brain injury, please seek dedicated professional advice.